Episode 128 of What Most People Think. Isn't it, hasn't it been nice to have like three or four days where COVID hasn't really been in the news, you know? COVID or, or indeed Partygate. Indeed Partygate. So it's been a bit, there's been other stuff. We haven't had this for a while, have we? We've had the Joe Rogan story rumbling on. We've had the Jimmy Carr story as well. You know, they're all, and that's why, that's why we're doing a solo show this week because there are new and meaty things that you and I need to unpacked together. But before all that, uh, we I've been back out on tour in the last week. I was out uh, in Crawley on Wednesday night and it was great to be there. There was, there was a couple of punters passed out before the gig. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, like oh, I'm the Beatles, do you know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't quite that, but I hope they were all right. I think they were attending the other show that was in the venue. It was fucking dropping. <laughs> you know, in the post-COVID age, that kind of stuff, even though it evidently has got nothing to do with COVID, you could tell that it spooked the audience at the beginning. Um, it's a new variant, the Crawley variant. I think I think there is a Crawley variant, but I don't think it's anything to do with COVID. No offence to Crawley. Well, some offence. Uh, I was in uh, Aylesbury on Friday night, cracking gig there. And uh, then on Saturday, I was in Brighton. And what a crowd that was in Brighton. My God, the energy was ridiculous. And I came out to applause and the sound of two Jack Russell dogs barking. And the audience didn't seem to mind. It was weird. <laughs> and then I said a few things about, uh, you know, Jack. I said, I think I was a bit speciesist. So no doubt once the Jimmy Carr thing blows over, I will be held up as uh, culpable for things that I have said about Staffordshire Bull Terriers. Um, and then I was up to the M4 to Cardiff um, on Sunday. And that was, you know, the Glee Club. And what I just want to say thank you to everybody that come out. Because let's be honest, you buy your tickets. You go, yeah, it's a Sunday night. And then it gets to Sunday night. And you think, we could just fuck this off, right? It's 5pm, it's a cold February Sunday, it's gone dark. But you came out, and you came out and you were a great, really up for it crowd. And um, I don't know if there's if I'm getting older or something, but I am noticing that a lot of the venues are putting their heating up. And it's sort of a bit like the temperature of, uh, you know, the tropical insect enclosure at a zoo. And I just think I'm really sensitive to it being too warm because I don't know if you're aware of this, listener, but uh, there's an old phrase in the game, which is uh, cold for comedy, hot for music. Right? You think about that, all the best Glastonbury shows when it was boiling hot. And comedy, you just, I don't know, your mind drifts and stuff. So uh, either that or you, but the problem is you can't mention the fact that you think it's getting hot now because, again, people will think that it's the vid. Um, there were We announced on Friday of last week, uh, they went on some new dates uh, in Glasgow and in Saffron Walden, which is a real place, And uh, but I'll, I'll, more of which um, later. Just to catch up on the Erm Curve from the Bob Mills show last week. First up, thank you for all the positive feedback about that show. I kind of knew you'd enjoy it. I mean, he's just... He's just such a funny man. He's a nice man. He's done so much in the game that whatever you want to talk to him about, he's going to have interesting things to say. But on the erm curve, I had three erms and five you knows, and Bob had exactly the same. And that makes me proud. Um, new patrons, uh, VIPs, of course, get a shout out at the top of the show. Dominic Lowe. Dominic Lowe. Um, that, I think you're a returning patron. It's, it's worth saying that the 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 they do their payment run at the um, end of the month and people get kicked out. So what happens is I have names coming back uh, that seem familiar, but Dominic Lowe, Mr. Lowe, how funny would it be if you was a teacher and you had a really high pitched voice? <laughs> you know you have your first 
Class. You remember when you had your first class with a new teacher and everyone was like, you heard, heard about their reputation and you, you're on best behaviour because you don't know what they're going to be like. Are, are they going to be strict? You know, all you know about him is that his name is Mr. Lowe. And then he comes in and goes, hello, children, I'm Mr. Lowe. And everyone's like cracking up. <laughs> I mean, like the kids are fucking brutal, aren't they? Like within about 15 seconds, you can be finished. I, mean, I remember I had a teacher at school called Mr. Mac. And it was at the time when McDonald's were doing a campaign going, Big Mac, Mac Attack. And just that was all. That was the one joke we had on him. But crucially and fatally for him, he bit. He's like, oh, yeah, it's very funny. Yeah, Mac, Mac Attack. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, mate. You've just got to basically either chuck them out, you know what I mean, or give them a detention. Yeah, I was very much like a referee that would like to get a yellow or a red card out early. You know, let them know you're about. Or, or like a midfielder basically stamp on someone. This is the reason I'm not in teaching anymore. Uh, we also have a new VIP. Again, this seems a familiar name. Nick Bowman. Nick Bowman just sounds like the bassist in fucking some sort of 80s ska band. Like some legendary guy that's still, you know, still you still see him at a Butlins for an 80s weekender. It's like the original lineup of Level 42, minus everyone, bar the bass player. But welcome, uh, Nick Bowman. Of course, you would all be experiencing, experiencing. Uh, maybe I should upsell it a bit more. Enjoying the uh, patron-only online show, which is this Wednesday evening, which you'll all have details about. And should be, the podcast should be up Wednesday morning, so it'll be happening uh, Wednesday night. And if you want to join at any time up till uh, about 7pm, once you join immediately, there'll be an access code there that you can watch the gig with me, Leo Curse, and the brilliant Francis Foster. And we're not going to go big on the politics this week, but I just want to respond to uh, this this thing of Starmer getting jostled. He got a bit jostled, didn't he, coming out of, what was it, the Commons or, or somewhere. Um, I went past um, New Scotland Yard the other day, and there was, uh, I think it's just like a general conspiracy theory crowd now. Not, and it just, you know, they're angry about a lot of stuff, and they get together most days, and they shout, you know, uh, accusations and smoke quite a lot of weed, it must be said, and the, the police didn't seem to mind too much about that. But he was coming out... And um, and basically, but like, people shouted a lot of things about him. Now, the thing that was picked up on was that he was a, a pedo protector, which immediately sounds like the worst Marvel character ever. It's <laughs> we need to call pedo protector. Is he going to get his own? Is he going to get his own standalone film? Pedo protector, the origin story. That's a fucking dark film, isn't it? Um, but you know, they were sort of, and Nicky Campbell made this. Um, comment on Radio 5, he said they were sort of playing conspiracy theory bingo, where it was kind of like, lockdowns, you'll be tried at Nuremberg, you you know, just loads of stuff. And amongst it was um, the comments about Savile, you know. And um, to various degrees since, people have obviously linked that, as you'd expect, to to Boris. Now, I think that people say, we need to apologise. I think you should apologise, have apologised after you made the comments, you know. I think it is wishful thinking, perhaps, to think that the people who are not at work but are outside the Commons or Scotland Yard on on a weekday smoking weed wouldn't have said that stuff anyway, okay? What they're looking for is establishment figures. They're mainly angry at people that have been complicit, uh, in, you know, in lockdowns and, 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 and other, you know, other stuff that they all think is an establishment cover-up. So maybe they might not have said it as, as often. And I only saw, if I'm honest, and please accuse me of being ignorant here, but I saw a couple of comments um, but I think that there would have been some sort of jostling um, anyway. And I, I, I think that I always, you know, I think I never like to see a politician getting jostled. But I, I stop short of two things. One is when people start going, well, this is who we are now. This is what this country is. This, this, this one clip 
of some unemployed people <laughs> who've been smoking some sensimelia. This this is England. This is what we this is what we've become. What they I think mean is that the, the, you voted for the Tories and Brexit, so this happened. You're happy now. It's all about they love to just uh, put the culpability on people. I know. I've never let my life or happiness or view of the country be guided by fucking, you know, clips <laughs> of small amount. Look, I mean, if that was like, you know, fucking 10,000 people going, pedo, pedo. I mean, it'd probably be a football match, right? But then I think, oh, maybe society has fundamentally shifted. But these are relatively fringe um, groups. And then the other thing is, is the double standards, right? If, if, if you worry about politicians being jostled in public, you either care about all of it or none of it. Right, Jacob Rees-Mogg was getting surrounded when he was with his fucking kids, man. And then, you know, even then people are going, well, you know, they need to know what their dad's done. Their kids, their kids. I mean, is, is, it, is it not a biblical phrase? They visit not the sins of the father on the child. I mean, it's like an actual, like it's a biblically bad thing to do. It happened to Gove, you know, it happened to um, Nigel Farage, right? You know, he got milkshakes. Everyone had great sport with the milkshakings. Little, fuck, you know, those little... Music things they do, you know, where they keep replaying the same clip. Man, milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. Or banter. It's banter when it happens to someone I disagree with. You had fast food giants kind of getting in on the joke about, I think, was it a Burger King who had a branch somewhere that Farage was going to be, just saying that they were well stocked up on milkshakes. Everyone thought it was fucking hilarious. And then when it happens to nice guy Keir, well, oh, this, is, you know, this is a disturbing development in society. I despair. I absolutely despair. This is the thing. Throughout my life, there have been people despairing. You know, when I was younger, it was the Tories. They were the fusty ones. I just despair. This country's gone to the dogs. Now it's the left. You know what I mean? And I always think that there are trends that go on a more negative or more positive curve. But I just think that usually the polarisation of it is linked into a grander political narrative. And I don't want to see Keir Starmer getting jostled at all. I think it's bang out of order. But I do think... If you're upset about that, then you need to be upset about any examples of where politicians have been put in situations where it looked like they might be under threat. Bit fucking preachy, wasn't it? Anyway, let's do a quick thank you and a fuck you. Uh, as I said, not talking about COVID as much. I'm grateful for that. But you watch out. You watch out for the news, man. Because for a long time now, they have they've had big stories, haven't they? Right since Brexit landed, and then COVID, and then Partygate. PPE, all these stories along the way. They've got very used to having these big headliner stories that get everyone involved, you know, often quite binary. And they get their engagement, they get their click-throughs, you know, they get their viral clips and stuff like that. There is a possibility that news may settle down into a more normal pattern now. And it'll be interesting to see what happens to the journos. Because it's, it's, it's built their egos up. I mean, I think Brexit created superstars. We, we didn't used to have superstar journos did we <laughs> he had the odd one do you know what i mean he had he had moira stewart moira was never doing viral clips was she do you know what i mean moira was never doing a little wink to the camera and a little diss on a government minister just so you know you'd, you'd never had that from fucking trevor mcdonald would you or peter or hanra hanra Han? yeah they just they just said the news this is why these ross atkins clips i don't know if you've seen them these explainer clips where all he does is kind of journalism right it just says well these are the things that have happened and this is the order that they've happened in and everyone's like fucking this is amazing this new brand of journalism where they just tell us the news as in things that have happened without trying to sort of like guide our reaction through emotive hand-wringing 
And this will be the problem now is for journos is that they're used to that, right? They've been trumped up on it. And you can tell how high profile journos get now is that they, when they have beef with each other, they have this like, oh, have you seen, <laughs> you know what I mean? Have you seen, uh, have you seen Matthew Paris has been beefing with the guy from the FT? <laughs> what the fuck has happened? Is it like East Coast, West Coast? You know, when there's all the hip hop gang drive-by shootings, but instead of drive-by shootings now, they've just got like, like drive-by barbs in their column. <laughs> Matthew Parrish was brutally taken down earlier by an aside by Nick Cohen in The Spectator. Like it's <laughs> so they're going to need stuff to, to keep dividing us and keep their egos and keep the advertising revenue up. So we will get, they'll look around for stuff, killer moths from Egypt. They'll be back on the old, the old stories. You know, you know, one story that will probably start coming back in the press is that when they really scrape the barrel, be like, red wine can make you live longer. That was always the sign that the uh, newspaper had fuck all else to talk about. So just keep an eye on that trend. That's it's a belated Mystic Jeff uh, prediction for 2022. The fuck you is to my brain. Now, I'm 45 now. I'm, I'm looking, I feel like I'm looking over the hill for some reason. 45, oh, I didn't think this at 44. But now, if, if I can't find the right word to describe something, if I feel like I'm lacking influence, it makes me think that this is the start of a sort of terminal decline. And, and, and this hasn't been helped by recently. Where I live, the way that you get out of town is one of two ways, right? You either go left at Topmore Road or you go right. And left at the moment has a diversion there. And do you think I can fucking remember that it's there? It's been there, what, seven? I mean, I'll tell you one person who could believe this, my wife. All right. uh, seven to ten days I just can't even now I'm probably I'm going to go out later I'm going to forget and it's just really scaring me that I can't remember and and I, it's made me really zero in on other things that aren't getting better you know like here's another example of something that I can't retrain in my brain in our old house our light switch was on the left hand side of the door into the bathroom right in our new house it's on the right hand side we've lived here three years Guess who still feels fumbles, right, on the left-hand side like a fucking teenager trying to find a tit? Like, <laughs> just in the dark when I go to the toilet, I'm just feeling around, you know, like, just, not there, Jeff, not there. Okay, that was a long uh, opening section. Let's get into the first of the two subjects, which is the the lamestream media. The lamestream, you see what I did there? Their attempts to uh, shut down Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> Okay, so full disclosure here, I have never listened to a full episode of Joe Rogan's podcast. Just like every single person who is trying to get him in trouble or cancelled, I'm basing everything that I think on fucking clips, right? You know, or stuff other people have said. But if you don't know who Joe Rogan is, he's got this podcast called The Joe Rogan Experience, which he built over the years and put in many hours and building up hours of content, just discussing things, coming from, I guess... Uh, he's got left and right people on, but coming from an angle, I suppose, which is challenging liberal groupthink, you know, to a degree, you know, I'd like to think that sometimes I do that in a, uh, in a, maybe a slightly fluffier way. And I certainly don't do two hours of it a week. Uh, but it was so successful that it got bought out by Spotify to be exclusively on their platform. They paid a hundred million dollars on it because they thought he yeah, had such a loyal audience. They'd all come over and we'll get loads of new subscribers, right? It makes sense. Now, over the course of COVID, he's been fairly locked down skeptic. And I say 
vaccine hesitant would be putting it mildly. You know, he's one of, been one of these people that spoke about alternative treatments for COVID ivermectin. He's suggested that that young people don't necessarily need to get the vaccine, which is, I mean, I mean, it seems like a radical view when they're talking about it on the BBC. I've plenty of friends around me that, that have thought that too, you know, and I've friends around me that haven't had the vaccine. So when you sort of say like these marginal kind of wacky out there opinions, I think you need to reckon with the fact that they're, We'll just look at the percentages, you know, look at the percentages of people that didn't get the booster or second jabs and stuff. So this is this is not like, you know, a handful of people. There's a significant number of people who feel this way. So then the backlash began. Neil Young removed his music. Remember the old rebel, Neil Young? Well, you know, he's rebelling a Rebelling Against Now is a, is a fucking podcast. <laughs> I know it's got millions of users, but it is still a podcast, right? Then Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell, she she teams up with her own power. Then Barbara Streisand removes removes her music. Then probably the cast of Golden Girls, if we're going down this road, you know, Dorothy and fucking Blanche Devereaux. Um, wow, how the fuck did I remember that her surname was Devereaux? Uh, then probably the geezer from Joni Loves Charchi. Uh, you know, all these, and then it becomes like almost a PR stunt. Right, where they kind of go, all oh, right, if I, if I withdraw the content that I have that more or less no one gives a fuck about, I might be able to get a bit of uh, publicity. Spotify defend him, and they try and meet people, not halfway, but they try and make some compromises, which uh, they've flagged episodes with contentious content. And Rogan himself comes out on uh, Instagram and says that he'll try and do better. And I thought, I watched his Instagram video, it seemed quite sincere to me. It seemed that he'd been affected by the strength of opposition to him, you know, the fact that the people who were against him were artist that he was a fan of and he says he'll try and do better right and then Spotify say they're going to stand by their man and probably by this point the person who fucking sung that has removed that song as well and then there's this compilation that emerges which is a video of all the times that he has said the n-word on his podcast so first up it's shocking to watch you know we're living in a time now post Black Lives Matter I mean let's not pretend that that word wasn't shocking do you know what's interesting about the N-word? You know, people often talk about racial epithets. I never heard that used once in my childhood, going back to the late 80s. You know, I never heard it used once as an actual insult. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was it was weird because I think that a lot of Asian people, I did hear racist words about Asian people. but So it's been controversial for a long time, I suppose is what I'm saying. And it's a compilation of all the times that, that he said it, I think. Maybe or, or or a good majority of them. So it's quite shocking to watch in this day and age, seeing a white guy say that. But crucially, there's no context around them. Okay, so evidently the person has found those examples, edited it right down, more or less to the word. So you think, okay, so I don't know what the context is. He does seem to have said it a lot, which is a bold shout. But I'm gonna guess that being a stand-up and have worked in that world and being friends with who he is, i.e. Dave Chappelle, and that he's probably not going to think that he can get away with using it as a term of abuse, right? And maybe some of these were before we had that reckoning whereby we sort of decided that there was no context, really, that people could use that word, you know? Which always worries me a bit when people say there's no context. But I think it reached its high watermark in this country where there was a BBC news report where a black news reporter used the N-word in terms of repeating something that was said as part of a court case and people kicked off about that. So that is kind of the watermark for saying that word, where, where black people are getting censured for saying it in context, right? And then there's a, a kind of reply video whereby a lot of people point out that, you know, so-called left-leaning liberal news outlets, you could easily do a compilation of all the times over the years that they've said it. My first point is, some people got a lot of fucking time on their hands. Do you know, do you know how, how time-consuming it is to go through so much content and, 
and just pick out a word. I mean, all right, they might have, you could say, well, then maybe they found like very high tech technology to just scan loads. Yeah, that is still going in very deep on this. So what that underlines is that there's these two sides and they are pitted heavily against each other. Well, they are trying very strongly to discredit and remove people from the airways. And, and on one side, they're trying to defend that position. And this is this is very new territory. And you get the US government, who in various kind of press briefings sort of indicated they're not a big fan of Joe Rogan. And surprise, surprise, I guess because a lot of his narrative would push against their sort of safe metropolitan view of the world. And, and you know, the US government are essentially leaning on a podcaster, right? Meanwhile, uh, Ben & Jerry's, you know Ben & Jerry's, the ice cream makers? You know the ones that you buy when they've got no Magnums left? <laughs> or no Hagen Daz? Well, they, they, they've meanwhile weighed it. I mean, I'm just underlining the bizarre nature of discourse at the moment. The Ben & Jerry's then weigh in on the whole Ukraine issue. Fucking, I mean, have you tried to pitch that as a programme? You go, okay, so it's a new series of the West Wing, all right? On the one hand, the US government are going after a podcaster. Meanwhile, these two fucking hippies that make ice cream are laying down the law on Ukraine. <laughs> they just go, yeah, uh, there's a reason this show hasn't come back on air. There's a reason that no one's currently making a politics show about how politics is now, because it's too, it's too daft. It's too daft. And I've never seen, I mean, in terms of the US government... Um, making coded references to how they feel about his podcast. I think he's. I think it's because they know that, that he's a threat to a certain way of thinking, right? And the big danger when when you're threatened by uh, a viewpoint is to just do it down. You know, whether it's Hillary calling Trump voters deplorables, calling Brexit voters racist. You know, just just saying that Joe Rogan is uh, is uh, a conspiracy theorist. It, you're just packaging it away, aren't you, with a little bow on it of shit that I don't have to think about anymore. And I don't think that removing him from Spotify, I think it would be the most counterproductive move, right? So say, for example, say he was complicit in, in vast realms of misinformation and say you think that people aren't fucking clever enough to listen to things and sift between bits of information. What do you think is going to happen to a guy with a global audience of that much? He has got a lot of people that listen to him, okay? So there's going to be money talks, right? There's going to be another platform that pick him up a new spod, uh, a podcast platform called Speakify, right? And they're like, we don't give a fuck. And so then this podcast is now on a platform that doesn't have the mainstream inclination like Spotify to try and keep people happy. They're like, that's their slogan, Speakify, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> so they don't really care. They don't want to put warnings on stuff. That'll be their USP, right? They'll say, Speakify, we don't give a fuck. Zero warnings. On Speakify, <laughs> you could say whatever the fuck you want. And, and then, so you have Joe Rogan's podcast somewhere like that, or you'll just self-produce. He's not going to lose his audience. But if you cancel him from a platform, he will then have two groups of people that will then come to him, which will be, uh, you'll get the people who are kind of outraged that this has happened, so they're now more invested in Joe Rogan than they would have been otherwise. And then you get the people that were there anyway. So I would argue that he probably grows his podcast. And then you get, furthermore, you get more content like this because this new platform finds that, okay, there's people that, that, that want to support this level of free speech and, and ultimately it becomes counterproductive, right? In the same way that once upon a time, Remainers had a, you know, they had an argument and a movement for a softer Brexit and then instead of going for the softer Brexit, they went for the car, didn't they? All right, they're going to gamble and go for the car. They went for a revoke. 
And a lot of people that might have even been on their side were appalled. And that will happen with, with I think, Joe Rogan to a point, is people will just think, hang on. If they, you know, because the point is, it's the thin end of the world. If you can cancel, where does it stop? It doesn't, it's not going to stop there. These people, you know, they've got the smell of blood in their nose, haven't they? They feel fucking good. We got rid of that Joe, that Joe Rogan. I, I don't like him. I don't like him because he's masculine. I don't like it. He openly smokes cigars and has muscles and he likes fighting. I just think they're, they're, they're objective. This is what I would like. I would like the people that are trying to cancel Joe Rogan to just be honest. On the one hand, fair enough. It might be about his opinions. You might think they're doing genuine harm to society. But also be honest and go, I just find him objectionable. Okay? He's the kind of old-fashioned macho guy that just pisses me off. I don't feel like in 2022, men like him, men like him, <laughs> they've had their opportunities. They've had it. It should be someone, instead of Joe Rogan experience, it should be some skinny little white dude with, with uh, glasses with no lenses in. And just talking about, you know, nutrition and, and you know, political correctness. Why can't that be? Well, evidently, there's not as big an audience for it. Okay? This is the problem. And this is what's exciting about streaming platforms, but I'm not sure you just shut them down like that. And I do, I do think that... There's a problem, and I mentioned it earlier about about clips. I I find it I don't like being manipulated, man. <clears throat> so if you're if you're going to try and say to me that Joe Rogan has said things on his podcast that he shouldn't have said, then show me the whole thing, okay? Because I, I'm now and it, the truth is he might have said bad words on his podcast, but if you show me the most tightly de- defined little words with no context, I'm probably going to do the opposite and presume that you're doing that uh, for a reason. So I think what most people think or maybe just most people who listen to this podcast think is, yeah, there might be some stuff that's said on Joe Rogan's um, podcast, which is uninformed or maybe unhelpful. But it is still a choice that people make to download it. And the idea that if, you know, it's like you think you can finally win the game of whack-a-mole. That's what they think. They think they're playing a game of whack-a-mole where they're hitting with hammers for a while and then just one day they hit something with a hammer and all the other moles stay down. Well, let me tell you something. It's going to crop up in another space. Okay, we're just going to talk a bit about new tour dates. But before we do that, uh, we got some more um, new Patreons. we got just Giles. I think Giles is a returner. can't remember the, with a name like Giles. What do you work? Are you a music teacher in a secondary school, Giles? Or are you Mr. Giles, the music teacher, just sitting there, just nursing his little... Co- Listen to his Joe Rogan podcast at lunchtime. Is that what you do, Giles? You get in your car and you drive around and you smoke a cigar as a music teacher. And you just think, yeah, fuck them. Sick and tired of them stamping on my dick. Um, Simon Catterall. Simon Catterall. Uh, that is a fucking conveyancing company. Simon Catterall. Uh, we've got a, a Welsh patron here who said that if I get his name right, he will upgrade to a VIP. So, you didn't say that I couldn't cheat. So, I've just Googled it, and it is Kerith. Kerith. Let's see if I can pronounce the second bit. Parvin, that might be where I fuck it up. Kerith Parvin, are you a mate's old fun police Drakeford? Oh, do you know what was really fun was gigging in Cardiff on Sunday and having a pop at Drakeford and just being reminded that not all Welsh people think he's the shit. <laughs> I said that he met, he met me at the beginning of Seven Bridge and did a did an LFT up my ass just to get into Wales. It's just quite grown up humour, I think we'll agree. We got John nineteen sixty six. What a great year to be born in, John. Is there one of those old weird pictures of you? One of those faded photos of you in one of those. Big fuck off buggies, prams. Do you remember those, those huge prams they had back in the day? 
What was the deal with those? What was the deal? Do you remember the big metal ones with the massive fucking wheels? They look like those things that they do on the weird Red Bull racing. And in, in the middle of it, it was just this tiny baby just rattling around from one side uh, to the other. But John 1966, 1066, all the best things in England happened in... No, no, we lost that fucking battle in there. Oh, we got invaded. Sorry, King Harold. I, I, can I just apologise for the insensitivity I've just shown to the family estate of King Harold? Uh, we got Amanda Menahan. What a cool name that is. Now, we have discussed the construction of names at length on this show. And what I like about that is it's got an N in the middle of both names and it gives it a nice flow there. Amanda Menahan. That's an actress name, isn't it? Amanda Menahan in the new ITV1 drop. Oh, right. So the next name is Natalie Godfrey. Natalie Godfrey and Amanda Menahan in Hot Flush. That's right. <laughs> Two detectives going through the change. Amanda <laughs> I don't know how old you are, ladies. I'm just saying it'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Hot Flush going through the change. They're just like, they're just on the scene at a crime and they're about solving. They're like, fucking hell, geez, who put the Keaton on? Hooper and then just go into a rage because someone didn't put something in the bin. Um, <laughs> Amanda Menahem and Natalie Godfrey in Hot Flush on ITV1. Also starring Sean Bean for some reason. John Amos. I think John is another returner. John Amos. Am I thinking of John Stamos? Is he a wrestler? John Cena? John Amos. It just sounds like a muscular name. You just sound like you're pretty hench, John. So... Send photos, son. Know what I mean? Send photos. What most people think, uk at gmail.com if you're hench. I'll share it with the patrons. <laughs> I'll pimp your image out to the female. Quite No, that's not bad for me. Two female patrons is, as I've said before, and this, you know, there's a bit of issue like with women getting their round in, okay? So it's nice to see the ladies stepping up there to the bar and getting some pork stretchings while you're there, love. Hey? Um... Now, the tour, we're back on tour, as I say, and this is, this is the best tour. This is the best show I've ever going to do. So if you're, if you're still wondering, oh, I might see him on the next one, I, I don't honestly think the next one will be as funny as this because there's so much fucking stuff to talk about. It's like the newsreaders and the journos. This is the best it's ever going to be. And um, so, you know, the first few have sold well. There's a couple of stragglers. But, you know, there's ones where we've got decent numbers in the room. Like Sheffield's a good example. Uh, we've got like 170 there already. That is this Thursday, February the 10th. Northwich. I don't know exactly where that is. Is that near Crewe? That's on Friday night. We've got shows coming up in Wellingborough at the Castle Theatre. Uh, we've got Carlisle. I'm in Belfast. I'm going all the way over to Belfast. <laughs> Listen, all the way over to Belfast. Oh, poor you, wee man. Poor you. Uh, we're in the Wirral at New Brighton. I think I don't know if people get mistaken when they see that on the listing because everyone just says, oh, you're back in Brighton, are you? No, it's, it's fucking New Brighton. Hey, it's fucking New Brighton. What's the way is everybody thinking things are all about down south? Right? It's not all about fucking news. Uh, we've got dates in Saffron Walden. Uh, that's on the 5th of May. New date on sale. 13th of May, Oxford Glee Club. New date on sale. And it started well and it only holds 140, so get in there. Uh, 14th of May, Huntingdon. Quite near where I live without giving too much away. Uh, that's a new date. It's started well. Uh, Thursday, the 19th of May, Glasgow at the Oran Moor. Oran Moor. I don't know if it's on wind. I said that right. Um, Kerith, Kerith. Um, no, it's Wales, isn't it? It's all fucking say to me. Uh, so that's Thursday the 19th of May. Then we've got another day at Maidenhead on the Friday the 27th of May. A lot of people, both of those dates sold out. I mean, I'm pretty big in Maidenhead. Why would that be the constituency of Theresa May? And then on the 28th of May at Spalding House South Holland Centre. I'm in Spalding. 
Yeah, I mean, Spalding and them, but that's before the big one. My cup final, 29th of May, my only London day of this leg, which is the new Wimbledon Theatre. All right, so we spoke about Joe. Let's speak about Jimmy, the two Jays this week. Jimmy Carr, um, absolute mainstay of the British comedy establishment for many years now. And you think about what Jimmy's done. He's been on a lot of television and touring at a certain level for longer than anyone I can remember. <clears throat> so he comes with a lot of uh, history, what the tax thing. He's been in trouble for jokes before. They go for him from time to time. But anyway, in December uh, last year, Jimmy dropped his latest Netflix special, right? And I just started to notice over the weekend that uh, there was the usual suspects on the left saying that he needs to be cancelled. And this is the thing, they're the same people that normally say cancel culture is a myth, they were actually using the word cancelled. So I thought, well, this could be quite serious, right? So um, I watched the clip. Now, you can't quote it, weirdly. Well, on certainly on Ofcom-regulated places, you can't quote it. Even on GB News, even on GP News, on their show Free Speech Nation, the excellent show, which I highly recommend with Andrew Doyle, friend to this show. Um, but the joke was effectively, so he's doing a section of the joke called, uh, show called Career Enders. And he talks about the Holocaust and he basically says what uh, a lot of uh, people talk about, of course, is the six million Jews that tragically were murdered. Uh, what people don't talk about is the people from the Roma and Gypsy community who, who were also uh, killed right so he's set up he's making quite a progressive point here and you're like, yeah that's true that doesn't get discussed and then he says uh because no one wants to talk about the positive right so that's the misdirection uh and the audience laugh they laugh a lot now i've just been as honest as i can i i was a bit shocked i was like wow like he went there you know that, that i was surprised at the darkness of the joke but the show was also called his dark material so it, but the clip was without context right the clip was with, it was just, of course I was going to be surprised at that. In a, again, one of these clips, these nuanced, context-free representations of somebody doing their thing. But yeah, I was, I was still surprised. I'm just trying to be honest. You know, as a comic, I'd always like to say like, yeah, fuck man, say whatever you want. But I was, I was surprised. Uh, but immediately I'm thinking, do I think that Jimmy Carr endorses what happened? Absolutely not. Do I think his audience of a couple of thousand people endorse that almost probably almost none of them would you might get some psycho in there right but you would i mean in any crowd of two thousand people anywhere you're going to get some fucking nut jobs right so immediately i'm thinking well i don't think that they're gonna think that it was it was it was saying the worst possible thing right that was the point of it <clears throat> but i do think this the offense people being offended and people being hurt are legitimate things you can't suddenly say well no you can't be like you know this is humor people can say what they want no sorry they are letting no sorry i sounded a bit a bit david brent there but they're allowed to be hurt right that's the point is that's the jeopardy of humor is that it might hurt feelings but and you can't tell people they can't be upset but my question is is what what do you think that feeling should then lead to right so you're hurt about a joke what do you think should happen next? Do you think that person should be removed from the public eye? Do you think that thing should be censored? Do you think the whole thing should be removed because of how you feel about it? That's where I differ. You know, and you had Nadine Doris, who previously has been on quite a crusade against, you know, overly sensitive reactions to things. She was quite damning of the joke. Sajid Javid also uh, felt that way. You know, it was uh, represented kind of as hate speech. And... What was, fine, again, they're politicians, they're allowed their opinions, and it turns out that some of the left don't mind Tory MPs getting involved in the culture wars when they agree with them. 
But you do have to... What you can't say is that... And this is what Andrew Doyle was saying, is that it's not a joke, right? Um, you have to apply context. And there, there's a few here that I think are relevant. I mean, this isn't this isn't the BBC, first up. It's, this, this isn't Jimmy cropping up on Blankety Blank and doing a Holocaust joke to a horrified Bradley Walsh and a studio audience of pensioners, all right? It's not that. It's Netflix. It's a subscription-only service, which you have to pay to have in the first place, right? Then you have to click on comedy. Then you have to click on Jimmy Carr. You go, oh, yeah, Jimmy Carr. He's the guy that says bad stuff sometimes. Ah, it's called There Are Dark... His Dark Materials. Okay, there's a couple of clues here. And it's not like he called the show My Did My Favourite Disney Princesses or kind of Fluffy McBinglewingle. You know, like some of these. Some of these comics like to have these real gentle shows. You know, he, he he's given a trigger warning in the title, okay? And I think that in the show, he actually does an on-stage trigger warning about these are shows that will affect people that you love and, you know, they will make you have strong feelings. So, you know, you can't suddenly act like none of that matters. You can't say that because this 30-second clip, which on its own, yes, is, is legitimately a, a shocking joke, that that context doesn't exist. And then you get the, the reaction. So I see people saying that I'm upset by this. I think it's offensive. I'm like, yeah, you're allowed to be that way. But then you get the, the wave of people that want consequences. And there was a, the extreme end of this reaction was an SNP councillor. Now, I've already had one person say to me, why are you quoting an SNP councillor? Oh, it's not like anybody's quoted the mad shit that Tory councillors have said. <laughs> you know, if a Tory councillor says some fucking bizarre thing about the burqa, I think there's a chance that it might get a bit of coverage on Twitter. And what the SNP councillor said was that it was hate speech, he should be prosecuted. There are other people saying that. But crucially, so should his audience. I mean, what what, what, what are you thinking is possible here? That, that his audience could be treated like football hooligans. Yeah, we get them in. Yeah, no, they are. We know exactly why all those people laughed. So we've got the names and the addresses of every single person. We got them off Ticketmaster. And those people have now got banning orders like they used to have with football hooligans. <laughs> With football hooligans, and they have to basically sign in at their local nick um, between 8 and 10 p.m. on gig nights, right? That way we control their behaviour. Maybe you could have, like, remember, like, the coppers used to sit in the football, they used to have those old-fashioned cameras, and they'd zoom in on, on the troublemakers or people throwing, throwing flares. You could, you could zoom in on somebody at the pod, like, look at that guy looking left to right, trying to get other people to laugh. Right, let's have him out. Geezer goes in a headlock. So, excuse me, sir, we've seemed to believe that you were laughing for the wrong reasons, sir. The wrong reasons. Maybe Jimmy Carr's crowd are like, like Millwall, you know? No, <laughs> they're having to arrive at their gigs in a, in a kind of police cordon bubble and just loads of like, loads of Nish Kumar fans throwing shit at the coach as they come in. No one likes us. No one likes us. We don't care. We like dark jokes, really dark jokes. <laughs> I mean, this is the point why I'm laughing about it now is because I find it really bizarre, bizarre that comedy is comedy, right? It's about jokes, it's about humour. But at the moment, it gets treated most seriously out of all the art forms. That's what's odd, isn't it? Nothing gets a more serious reaction than a joke. And it's happened to other things before, whether it was um, rock stars, right? Remember when rock stars, remember when they still had a pair of bollocks? Not anymore. <laughs> it's been interesting watching that Pam and Tommy show on uh, Disney Plus going oh yeah remember when rock stars were kind of cool like the whole thing of being a rock star was like live like a rock star what does live like a rock star mean now what dress like you're not a millionaire pretend to give a shit about stuff you don't give a shit about just so you don't get cancelled say that you're not going to tour anymore until you can be carbon neutral oh, fucking tedious 
you know, it, it happened with computer games. He's, it, make, it makes it makes stand up. I've got to say, it makes stand up feel sexier than it's ever felt. And that's what I was saying about you know being on tour at the moment. He's like audiences because the thing with audiences is they're normal people. They're not the kind of keyboard warriors that you get, and they're they're not egging you on to say bad stuff. But what they do seem to want now more than ever is for you to be honest, right? Because there's so this is why stand up so precious as an art form now is that there's so many ways that we're treading on eggshells. You know, whether it's at work and you've been forced to do a racial retraining program <laughs> where, you know, you're up for the idea of learning about things, but also not quite as on side with the idea that your starting point is that you're a terrible human being dripping with racism. You know, whether, whether or not it's, uh, you know, you're meeting your friendship group and you're trying to discuss politics without fucking throwing murderous looks at each other. So stand-up occupies that place. And of course, you know, sometimes it makes mistakes, you know. I think that... I think that, you know, in the reaction to this joke, it does suggest the the amount of people that are upset about it, that it was genuinely an offensive joke. But none of that changes the fact that it was just a joke. And and these people trying to relate a joke as being as bad as the thing is, you know, that old thing about words of violence. i tell you something. I, I would always rather be called a fat gammon than be punched in the face. Okay, just a quick letter this week, and this one's a bit of a throwback one. It's a hypothetical fight, and this is from Dane, and Dane lives in Luton, and Dane says, who would win in a fight between Keir Starmer and a guy who's been spending his whole life on 4chan websites? Um, So this is obviously a reference to the Starmer-Jocelyn incident. If you don't know, 4chan is like known as being, I don't know if it's the go-to place now, but, you know, in terms of, like, extreme libertarian or right-wing or conspiracy theorist thought that would be the place to go um yeah what i don't have is 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 a kind of uh is an image of who the guy is i mean starmer i don't know why i always thought that you know he works out and stuff a lot of these center-left liberal guys have often got a lot more fury in their hearts than they let on um but then then i saw him then i saw him punch uh he punched a a punching bag at a boxing gym and you're like oh fuck you know (laughs) This is something about politicians. Maybe the reason they get into it is they can't do anything with any sporting degree of competence on camera. So that made me doubt myself. Um, and then, you know, you think your average guy that, that is kind of spending his days smoking weed and shouting stuff at uh, elected officials. I think that they've got the inner rage. I think that I would argue that, yes, they are angry about lockdowns and the effect of mental health and the economy. I would also argue that they're probably deep down angry about something else. So if 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 it did go down between Keir Starmer and a conspiracy theorist, I I, I don't think Keir Starmer has got as much that he's angry about. You know, because if you're sort of the thing that makes you angry is a lack of decency. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure that, that is that is exactly the same as the kind of dark rage that makes you go and serve citizens arrest papers on some old deer at a vaccination centre in Bedford. Okay, that is the end of this week's show, a solo show. So thank you uh, for listening to that. I like doing these every once in a while. Uh, If you leave a five-star review on iTunes, I always read out the five-star one. So we've got a couple here. This is from Sunday, from Einstein. Okay, it's from Einstein. Thanks, Jeff. Look forward to the pod each week and your views on current events and great guests. Subscribe! 
Uh, and this is from Gideon Tebbett. Well, Gideon Tebbett, that's a very posh name, isn't it? Um, gutted I didn't find this podcast earlier. Genuinely funny and refreshingly non-lefty woke takes on the week's new quality guests and the occasional Star Wars reference. What's not to like? Jeff is easily one of the best comics around at the minute and I'm look for- looking forward to seeing him live in a few weeks. I'm far too tight to be on Patreon. Oh, you're fucking, here we go. You got money, Gideon. I'm far too tight to be on Patreon, and I got his excellent book on a free Audible credit. So at least I went, oh, Jesus Christ, idiot. You're fucking robbing me blind, Gideon. <laughs> you don't hear those sort of phrases, do you? Yeah. You know another one as well, a phrase that I was thinking you never hear anymore. I'm fed up, you know. Everyone's depressed or anxious, aren't they? Do you, what happened to just being fed up? I'll tell you, I'm sick to the back teeth at the moment. I'll tell you, I'm just, I'm absolutely, I've just had enough. I've had enough. This is the thing. Depression, mental health, it always used to exist. We just had uh, very different words for it. All right, I hope you enjoyed the show. See you next week for a guest episode. Cheers.